All right, Emmaus, if you would, take your Bible and open to Philippians chapter 4. So if you are watching us at at home or you're here in the room, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be looking at, and one of our church members is going to be reading this passage for us via video here in just a few minutes. Let me say a couple of things as, as we get started this morning. First, kids, we are just two weeks away from being able to restart Sunday school and Elevate and our Wednesday night activities, and so thank you as families for being patient with us. We know there's no perfect answer about when to restart groups and kids ministry and things like that, but Sunday school kids ministry is kicking back off January 31st. February 3rd, we'll start our Wednesday night meal and Wednesday night groups and get all of those things set up, so we've got that coming. One other thing, kids that are watching at home or kids that are in the room, sixth grade and younger, if you guys will memorize the fruit of the Spirit. So your parents will show you that passage, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, those nine parts of the fruit of the Spirit. If you will memorize the fruit of the Spirit and come and tell me, I have a little gift for you. Uh, it's small, so don't think it's like crazy out of control, but uh, I've got a gift for you. So, or those of you who are watching at home, if your family's not coming in the building right now, if your parents will take a video of you saying the fruit of the Spirit and send it to me, I'll make sure the, uh, I'll make sure the, the, the gift gets to, gets to your house. Adults, I don't have any fruit candy for you, so sorry. I hope you'll uh, memorize. Here's what I do have for you, actually, adults. Even something better, uh, hopefully. Out in our lobby, we have, if you've not seen it off to the uh, south side of the lobby, the Emmaus Orchard. It is a really neat display that Gwen has set up for us. And for each element of the fruit of the Spirit, there's a little card. So one card says love, joy, peace, patience. Right over here on this side of the lobby, on the wall, here's what I want you to do. Take one of those cards and write a note to somebody who you know who displays that fruit. They have blessed you with their love or joy, or peace, or patience, and the goal is you just take a card and write a little note to them and say, thank you for being a person of peace. God's work in your life has brought peace to my life, and I want to encourage you. And the goal is that we spread that fruit around among us as we encourage one another to live out the fruit of the Spirit. If you're watching at home, you're like, I don't know if I can make it to the lobby. We're going to provide opportunities through social media for you to do this. Also, on top of that, just to send a text message to somebody after today's sermon and say, thank you for being a person of joy. You bring joy to my life because of the way that you love God and honor him. We want to encourage and lift up one another. If you send somebody a note, I'm probably not going to give you a fruit roll-up like I would the kids, but I do think it's a, uh, I do think it's a very good thing. So... Let me lay that out there. All right, we have a fun little video for you to watch here. We're going to read as part of this video. Have your Bible ready. Philippians 4, 4 down through, I think they go through about 13 in the video. But watch this fun little video, and then we're going to study God's Word together. Good morning, Amaz. I'm Dale McCoy, and this is my wife. Beth. Beth McCoy. And... uh, we just want to say uh, good morning to you and we want to thank the leadership in our church that we're able to see uh, the church service uh, on our telephones and we appreciate that a lot and this morning uh, Beth was asked to read uh, out of Philippians 
uh, today. So here she goes. This is uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. But I can do all three things through him who strengthens me. And you know, Paul was writing that to the early church, encouraging them. And I, I think how appropriate that these many years since, it is just such a word from God for us. Also, I'd like to say uh, what keeps me kind of in contact with the church is every Sunday morning uh, at dark, I drive down Western with a Egg McMuffin, one of the buns off, and a large Diet Coke, heading south. And when I get to the church parking lot, I pull in, and I point my car toward the church building with the lights going on. And the reason I do that is uh, I pray for the church, finish up my Sunday school lesson, and that helps the lights on the church helps me visualize the people inside the church, where they sit, where I used to see them, and it gives me comfort, plus it brings them to my mind and heart to pray. And then the other thing I'd like to say is a little lighter situation is we've got Netflix, and we've been hooked on a series on there called The Heartland, and it's about cowgirls and cowboys and ranches and horses and so my girlfriend wants to be a cowgirl. And her boyfriend wants to be a cowboy. <laughs> so what we say to you this morning is, Yee-haw! <laughs> Love you, Emmaus. Oh, man. Now that is joy right there, <laughs> being able to... Uh, to see that together. As we think about joy this morning, let me ask you a little, uh, another lighthearted question just to kind of think about this and, and to prepare to look in this idea of the second fruit of the Spirit, love, then joy. Ask you a quick question. You're eating a meal 
a nice meal at home and you got the food. I know some of you, you can't have one food group touch another food group, like all the food on the plate has to be, uh, has to be separated off, but, but I'm curious about personality. Do you eat your favorite thing on the plate, do you eat it first or do you save it for the last? Uh, so my personality, if I look at the plate in front of me and there is something on there that I really want, I tend to save it for the end. I, I don't know why it's like I have to force myself to get through the vegetables and the salad to get to, to what I really want. Some of you have that wonderful personality that you just eat dessert first every time and you jump right into whatever on the plate looks best, you eat that first and that's a wonderful thing. What does then ha- have to do with the fruit of the Spirit? Think about the ordering of the fruit of the Spirit there in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy is second. Why does that matter? Why is that a big deal? Well, don't miss this. Just as love is meant to guide all of the fruit of the Spirit, joy is meant to permeate all of the fruit of the Spirit. So love sets there as a sense, a header, a guide to the fruit of the Spirit, but joy, surprisingly enough, comes second as an indication that joy should permeate our peace, and we should have joyful patience, and we should have joyful kindness and gentleness and self-control, that joy permeates all the fruit of the Spirit. Said another way, the Christian life is not a journey of drudgery, that the Christian life, the Holy Spirit of God working and living in our lives is a pathway of overwhelming, never-ending joy. Now, why is that so important? The reason that's so important is because when I look around at our world, we talked last week about how much fear and hate exists in the world and how love drives out fear and hate, and, and that's important. When I think about our world and even church life and community life and family life, One thing that scares me a little bit, one thing that worries me, is at times we seem to be very low on joy. You just think about the world around us and how it seems like people struggle so much with the experience of joy. And and this is an experience that is driving itself down into our teenagers and even the little kids who are struggling in life just because they do not experience the joy of life that so many of us can think of and, and want people to have. Now, We think about this type of struggle with joy, and the danger is when I don't feel joy, I run after happiness in some really dangerous places. Or or I try to find ultimate joy in places that were never meant to give that. Or I think the Christian life is not supposed to be joyful. So every time I feel joy and happiness, I feel guilty about it, thinking that this is not what God has in front of us. You think about on uh, Facebook this week, I put out a little question on my personal Facebook page just saying the opposite of joy is, and I left a blank, and so many of you gave incredible answers. Some of you are just smart aleck, but some of you gave really, really good spiritual wisdom uh, answers. Now, one of the best was the opposite of joy is losing to Texas, which I have to admit, that has to be near the top. Losing to Texas is definitely the opposite of joy, but the opposite of joy is often things like despair, and hopelessness, and lack of gratitude, and bitterness. And if I was going to fill in that blank, I would tell you, I think sometimes the lack of joy, the opposite of joy, is cynicism. Just a cynical, critical, bitter view of life. And friends, we understand that that is not the life God has for us. That the life God has for us as followers of Jesus 
is a life of overwhelming joy. Now the question is, where is that joy found? Philippians 4.4, don't miss this very first verse that Beth read for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now notice here, rejoice is a command, which means that joy is not just a personality, and joy is not just a mood that we're in. That joy is even to be commanded for the people of God, that we are to rejoice. And how are we to rejoice? We're to rejoice always, which means that joy is not based on the circumstances of your life. Because you could say, oh, and I would, I would rejoice, but you don't know what I'm going through. Guess what? Joy is commanded, so it's not a personality or a mood, and joy is to be the reality of our life always. It's not dependent on circumstances. Think about that great little passage there in 1 Thessalonians 5. What are we supposed to do as the people of God? Pray continually, rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. It is not based on the circumstances of life. But notice that key phrase right in the middle there. How are we to rejoice We are to rejoice in the Lord. This is how we can be commanded to rejoice. This is how we can be commanded to rejoice always because our joy is found where? In the Lord. I wish I could give you something more complicated or complex or insightful, but can I just say that is the good, simple message of Scripture Oh, and I need joy. Our world needs joy. My family needs joy. The people in my neighborhood need joy. Rejoice in the Lord. It is in his presence that we find joy. Now, now let's unfold that just a, another layer here and think about what does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? I think there are two sides to this when you think about this main point of how are we to have joy in the Christian life or to rejoice in the Lord. Think about this in two pieces. First, we are able to rejoice in the Lord because of his character. We rejoice in the Lord because he is good and wise and compassionate and gracious. And scripture talks about he is the giver of what? Every good and perfect gift. We rejoice in the Lord because of who he is, because of his presence. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. If you just need a verse to memorize or meditate on this week, something to put on your phone wallpaper or to tape up in your car, Psalm 1611 would be a great verse to meditate on, to think about God's character in his presence we find fullness of joy, that at his right hand there are pleasures evermore. We can rejoice in the Lord because of his character. We also know that we can rejoice in the Lord because of his work of salvation. This is gospel joy. This is the fact that we are able to rejoice because of the salvation that he brings to the world. And our help here is that series of parables in Luke 15. Now Luke chapter 15 You get a parable of a lost sheep, you get a parable of a lost coin, and then you get a famous parable of a lost son, a prodigal child who has gone away. And in all three of those parables, what happens? The object or the person that was lost is found, and what is the response of the person who finds that object that was lost? 
It's joy, overwhelming joy because something that was lost has been found. One of the gifts that my family purchased for me at Christmas were those little black tile objects and stickers that you can put on objects that you lose so consistently because I have a terrible habit of losing very important things like keys or my headphones or my wallet or things you don't want to lose. And so as one of their Christmas gifts to me, they bought those little things. Now it's been like a reverse psychology. We spent the money to buy these little tiles that I could track down lost objects. And guess what? I haven't lost anything since I finally got these, uh, got these tiles. But you lose something and the joy you experience it when you find it. Think about the joy of baptism. Think about the joy of praying for someone week after week, year after year, and then being able to celebrate their baptism. Think about the joy in your life of praying for a child or a grandchild who had gone away from the Lord, and then they come back. What is the feeling? Are, are, are you condemning them because of all those years that were lost? No, it's a feeling of joy, overwhelming joy because of the work that the Lord has done. Think about the joy of salvation in terms of our spiritual growth, our holiness. And don't forget, holiness and happiness are not enemies. <laughs> there is the happiness of holiness, that as we grow in holiness, it leads us to deeper happiness in the life that God has for us. The happiness of knowing his word, John 15, 11, that Jesus says, I've spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you. How does the joy of God get into our life when we hear the word of God, when we worship, when we experience his love? Another way that we experience God's joy through his salvation is the gift of forgiveness and repentance. If you feel really low in joy right now, can I ask you, is there a relationship that needs to be reconciled? If we are holding grudges, or bitterness, or for lack of forgiveness of someone, it will affect our joy, friends. Like, it will affect the joy that we have in the Lord. Or, let's turn it back on ourselves. If we're holding on to sin and saying, I'm gonna live however I want to live, there is a joy that comes through confession and repentance. That the way to receive that joy is to live a life of confession and repentance and forgiveness. How do you experience joy? Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, based on that foundation, that is the overriding point for this morning that you would go home thinking, rejoice in the Lord always. There's another question to be asked though, how do I do that? Like, what does that look like in my life? So what I wanna give you this morning is I wanna give you seven pathways to joy that come right out of scripture, we're gonna kinda of just take a big sweep of scripture this morning, looking at different passages. Seven pathways to joy. Don't think of these as points to be memorized. This is not a sermon outline to memorize. This is just something to meditate on, to think about, that this would drive you toward joy. If you want something to take home at the end of today to begin to think about these things some more, I have a paper out here on this wooden table to the right as you're walking to the orchard when we are dismissed to go over there and look at those cards. On that brown table, there's a paper that I've put together that has some of these notes and questions. If you're watching at home, I'll send this out through my weekly email this week as a PDF so you can see it, but let me give you these seven pathways to joy. Number one is remember. 
How do I experience joy in the Lord always? Number one is remember. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad. That is the word for rejoice. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. That comes from Psalm 9, 1 through 2. One of the pathways to joy is simply to remember God's goodness. Uh, said in an old school hymn way, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Like when we remember the goodness of God in our lives, it brings joy. This is something that my mom was so good about. Now my mom would tell you, she's prone to probably hold on to and keep a few too many things. Uh, she tends to do that. But one thing she did so well for us as kids is she would hold on to things that were important in our life and in our family. And our family loved photo albums. You would think the fact that all of us carry a phone now in our pocket all the time that we would do really good with photos, but we actually really struggle with photos now because they're all digital and not put into photo albums. But I can't tell you the joy in our family when we would just sit down and pull out an old, old photo album and tell stories and think about those memories. If your level of joy in the Lord feels really low, when was the last time you just told fun stories about the past? When was the last time you pulled out a photo album or went back through your memories in Facebook and looked at photos and said, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for that memory. Now, when you remember, what's the other side of that? Not all the memories are good, are they? When you go back and you look at some of those pictures and you go back and you tell some of those stories, there's a lot of joy, but there's a lot of difficulty too when you look back and think about some of those things. But here's the thing. As we look back, even at those hard memories, we are able to be reminded of God's faithfulness to us through those hard times. And as we remember God's faithfulness, you know what we would do? We rejoice in the Lord. Because we look back and we say, God, thank you for those hard times, and God, thank you for the way that you carried me through those times. Number one, path to joy is to be a person that remembers. Don't always rush to the next thing. Let's take time to remember. Number two, a path to joy is endure trials. And you're like, hey, Owen, that's kind of a downer. Like, what, how is that a path to joy? Don't forget James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And it goes on to talk about this idea of endurance. Now, let me be clear. We are not talking about naming a hard situation and calling it good. The Christian life is not about looking and pretending that evil doesn't exist or trying just to get rid of all those things. We, we acknowledge that there is evil and suffering and hard things that we face in life. But we are able to rejoice, to count it all joy because we see the way that God builds our faith. We see the way that God never wastes our experiences. We see the way that God carries us through situations that we can never get through on our own. And as we do that, we can count it all joy because we face that particular trial in life. You think about some of the experiences of the apostles. Acts chapter 5, the apostles rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer persecution. You think about that famous story in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. And what did they do when they were thrown into prison? They were singing. They were worshiping. They were, they were praising God. 
if your joy feels really low right now, have you stopped playing music in your house? Maybe you were a person who always had music playing in the house. You always loved that, and the house has gone quiet. If we're not careful, when we go through really hard experiences in life, we will actually end up backing away from the very things that God means to use to give us joy. When you go through a really difficult time in life, it is common to feel guilty about doing something you enjoy. So you're, you're in a really, really hard time in life, and you're like, well, I can't do that because that feels joyful, or it feels peaceful, or it feels fun. And we end up backing away from the things that God means to use to help us walk through those hard times. And, and I just, I think about my own family, and I think about experiences and people I've talked to. So often, a symptom of low joy is that people have turned off the music in their house or they've stopped listening to those things that bring joy to their heart and remind them of the goodness of God. One pathway to God's joy is to endure those trials that come. Number three, so remember, endure. Number three, a pathway to joy is to partner. And when I say partner, this point is about the relationships that God gives us in life. Philippians 1, I always pray with joy, Paul says. Why, what causes joy in Paul's prayer? Because of your partnership and the gospel from the first day until now. And then Philippians 2, Paul is dealing with a situation of disunity, two people in the church who were having trouble getting along. And he says, make my joy complete. Where does joy come? By being of the same mind, reaching that place of unity. This last week in staff meeting, when we got together as a, as a church staff and we were talking about this, this subject of joy, I just asked the staff, what brings you joy in life? And like the first three answers all had to do with relationships that God gives us. Friendships, the gift of family, those people that stick with you through a hard time. The way we experience joy in the Christian life so often comes through the people that God puts in our path that the pathway to joy is when we partner with people around us. The joy of teamwork, the joy of unity. Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity and all the parents say amen. Like just the, the joy of, of unity and, and peace in your home and in your church and your workplace, how those things are meant to bring us joy. Let's take this idea of partnership and, and maybe look at it from a little different angle. Think about the partnership between generations. I've got a couple of verses up here I want you to see on the next slide as we think about this idea of, of partnering across generations. Third John chapter four. I have no greater joy, John says, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I love that verse because it takes Christian joy and it makes that joy possible because of the connections across generations. Guess what? Those of us who are getting older, and those of you who are better at getting older than me, you've already gone a little further ahead in, in the race, those of us who are getting older, guess what we need in our life? We need the gift of the energy of kids around us. A church that doesn't have that, families that don't have that, you know what happens? Let's be honest, we grow pretty grumpy and, and critical and bitter in spirit. We need as people, especially as churches, the gift of youthful energy, kids that are driving us and pushing us ahead and how much we need that as a church family. And you guess what those kids also need? 
They need the gift of watching someone grow joyful in the Lord as they age. I've talked about this before, but I'll, I'll say it again here. There is no greater gift to the Christian life than watching someone age in the Lord and they become more joyful, more peaceful, more loving, as opposed to watching someone age and they become more grumpy, more critical, more divisive. What a gift it is, what a joy it brings to life when across generations, someone younger can watch someone age and that person is a person of joy as they get older in the Lord. And let me just say about this as well, the gift of different seasons of life. One thing that will suck the joy out of your life is always wishing you were in a different season of life. Those years with young kids, when you have long days and short years, and you're like, man, if I could just get, when we find, you've, you've heard this phrase, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the enemy of joy. When we always take our season of life and we compare it to another, anytime we compare our life to somebody else's, it's going to kill our joy. Great joy is found in the Lord when you say, God, this is the season I'm in. This is where you have placed me. Let me be faithful right here. And God, thank you for the people you have placed around me that I can partner with. Remember, endure, partner. Number four, fourth pathway to joy in Scripture is to feast and, and to celebrate. Pre-COVID, this is something that Baptists did particularly well, and we'll get good at it again, I'm sure. We don't need a lot of practice. But uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. We think holy and immediately think somber, right? Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. One of the neat things about the Old Testament and, and the world of ancient Israel is there were three primary feasts throughout the year. There was Passover, Pentecost and what we often call the Feast of Booths, but, but three different times the people were called together to feast. And as part of these feasts, they would use what in the Old Testament is called the Hallelujah Psalms. They would gather together to rejoice. The people of God find joy when they gather to feast together, when they gather to celebrate the goodness of God. I, I know this is hard to do in the world we live in now, but I even think about my own childhood growing up and just the weekly pattern of going to my grandparents' house for Sunday lunch. Go to church, leave church, grandparents' house, Sunday lunch. There were probably times I just saw that as a habit as a kid, but that habit of gathering together to feast and celebrate and enjoy one another, man, that, what that does to you in your heart, what it does to you in shaping your life. Think about this on the New Testament side. So that's kind of the Old Testament side. Think about this on the New Testament side, Acts chapter two. Acts chapter 2, when you get to the end of that chapter, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. This New Testament pattern of joy that comes from hospitality and fellowship and spending time together. Let me just say, if you're watching at home and, and you're struggling with isolation and loneliness, don't live in that. Uh, it is not weak just to reach out to somebody this week and say, I just need to talk. I, I just need to spend time. 
We're so low on joy right now, partly because we just haven't completely come to terms with how hard this season of life has been. The impact that it's made on our social connections with other people, how hard it is to get together and feast and celebrate and do those things that we know that brings joy and how hard we have to work for that right now. Don't let Satan use isolation and loneliness to drive you away from the joy that you need to have in the Lord and that you can have in the Lord because of his goodness. Remember, endure, partner, feast. Number five, learn, work, and play. This just means 1 Timothy chapter six, as for the rich in this present age, that's all of us, charge them not to be prideful nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. What kind of God do we serve? who richly provides us with everything for what purpose? To enjoy. Wait, that can't be in the Bible, right? That God loves to give good gifts to his people for what purpose? That they would enjoy them. When we as the people of God feel guilty for joy, we are taken away from his glory. We are taking away from his glory as a heavenly father who loves to give good gifts to his people so they would enjoy them, so they would live in the goodness of his presence that at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we learn and explore and travel, it brings joy. When we grow stale, (laughs) when we stop learning, when we stop exploring, when we stop seeking out new things, and, and, and be so careful about this because the world in which we live, it's easy to only listen to voices just like yours. And, and the way we learn and search and explore is we listen to people who are different than us, who, who have different perspectives and are different seasons in life. We have to be people who learn because learning brings joy. Guess what? Work is not a punishment. Work is part of God's good created order and the joy that comes from doing good work. Now, how many of us have had jobs we didn't like at times? Sure, you have times like that. And there are things that you do to serve that sometimes aren't always your favorite. But Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. The joy that comes from doing good work. And guess what? The joy that comes from hobbies. Just the joy that comes from doing something simply because you love to do it. And we always talk about in our family, in our, in our household, guess what? Not everybody has to enjoy the same things. Like we, we have different things in our own family that we enjoy. You have different things in a church family that we enjoy. But just the gift of saying, this is a gift from God. I'm going to receive it as such and learn, work, play. There's such good gifts when we don't make them into idols. Now you can easily let these things become idols, right? And they can take over our life and dominate our life and actually draw us away from the Lord. But when they're just good gifts from him and we enjoy them and celebrate them, we are able to experience his joy. Number six, this is not just for little kids, this is for adults. How do you experience joy in life? By sharing. Sharing is caring. (laughs) Uh, Sharing is how we are able to experience joy in life. At the end of that 1 Timothy 6 passage, it says, be ready to be generous, ready to share. 1 John Chapter one, verse four says, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. You say, what's the big deal about that underlined section there? Notice, John is writing these things to the people so that his joy, the joy of those who are communicating it, their joy would be complete. We would act, excuse me, 
we would actually expect that verse to say, I'm writing to this so that your joy will be complete. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says so that our joy will be complete. Think about it like this. Think about a pool of water, either in your backyard or, or even just out someplace that you find in the wild. What happens to a stagnant body of water? A stagnant body of water where there's no outlet. Well, <laughs> it grows toxic, it grows bitter, and if we apply it to people, it's easy to grow bitter and cynical. If all we are doing is receiving things into our life, but we are never giving back or giving out, you know what happens in our life? We become toxic and bitter and cynical. And, and, and the reason is because we're not sharing what God has given us. So God has given you a testimony. Guess where the joy comes? When you share it with others. When you share with people, this is what God is doing in my life. God has given you talents and spiritual gifts. Guess where the joy comes in church? When you use those talents and gifts to serve and encourage and build up the people around you. If you feel like your joy level is pretty low right now in the Christian life and, and with church, ask yourself the question, am I only receiving in and not sharing with others? Is God calling you to do something where you share his good gifts with the people around you? And this idea of sharing obviously applies as well to our physical possessions. What does scripture say? It's more blessed phenomenon going on on the internet. This lady named Marie Kondo was talking about the joy. If you look in your closet and you see a piece of clothing and it doesn't give you joy, what are you supposed to do? You give it away to somebody. Well, guess what? It's not a bad idea. We think about where does the joy of life come from? The joy of life comes from, God, you've given this to me. I don't want to hoard it. God, help me to be a person who shares. Help me to experience the joy that comes when I give to people around me. Remember, endure, partner, the gift of relationships, and when you feast together, learn, work, play, share. And then finally, number seven, let's wrap up with this. The gift of eternal hope that brings joy. Now earlier in 1 Peter chapter one, I don't have these verses up here, but early in 1 Peter one, it talks about this idea that we have been born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that we, that we have this living hope. And then look where it points us to. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, speaking of our savior, you believe in him, what happens when you believe in him? You are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You and me both, we have no idea what's gonna happen today or this week in our world and in our country, but you know what we do have? We have an overwhelming never-ending, inexpressible, glorious joy. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To know that our hope is not just for now. Our hope is not found in anything that happens in our world this week. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And I love the picture that comes from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. You may know that Psalms has 150 Psalms. 
but it's actually broken down into five different sub-books. So the book of Psalms in your Old Testament, 150 of them, but they're broken down into five different sections. And we've talked before, the Psalms deal with some really hard subjects. But here's what you may not realize. If you look at the very end of all five of those books, do you know how all five of those books end? They end with blessing and praise and rejoicing to the Lord, which is a picture from the book of Psalms for the Christian life that no matter what we may go through now, do you know how the story ends? With blessing and joy and praise. I don't know what you're facing right now, but I do know that weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I do know that what you're facing in life right now is not the end of the story, and the story ends with eternal joy because of God's good work in your life through his Holy Spirit and by the death and resurrection of his son. Emmaus, this week, this year, our church, let us be a people of joy. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for us as a church family right now. God, we worry about fear and hate and lack of joy in our world and just the impact that makes on people's emotions and social interactions and psyches. And yet, God, here we have this beautiful picture from Scripture that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And God, that we are commanded to rejoice in the Lord always. This week, even when we don't feel happy, when we don't feel that experience or mood or personality of joy, God, we are able to rejoice in you because you are good and you do good things, because you have brought salvation into our lives. And God, I pray especially for people right now who feel so low on joy just because they're overwhelmed with the circumstances of life. God, give them courage to remember and to celebrate and to reach out to people around them. God, I pray that when people think about Emmaus, God, that we would be a church of love, but God, let us be a church of joy. And in that joy, we are able to share with others the good news of Jesus. And we pray this together in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Emmaus, I hope you'll go out, check out the orchard, pick up some of those cards, encourage one another. Those of you who are watching at home, God bless you. I'll send out that document uh, this week in my email. Have a great week.